for the love of goats. We are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. And now, here's Deborah Neiman. Today's episode is brought to you by Goats 365, my membership program for people who are living with, learning about, and loving goats 365 days a year. Basic members get access to six courses covering housing, fencing, parasites, nutrition, and health, as well as things like composting goat manure and the basics of starting a goat-based business. Premium members also have the opportunity to attend live online meetings via Zoom to talk about goats every month. Visit goats365.com to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am really excited today about this episode because this is one of those episodes I'm doing because I keep getting a lot of questions, and this is the answer. So in the future, when people tell me they don't have a vet in their area, and I tell them, you can go to a a university teaching hospital, I can then just refer them to this podcast episode so that they can learn more about that instead of spending time, you know, educating each individual person on it. And I am joined today by Tammy Gallagher of Shady Paddock Farm in Texas. Some of you may know Tammy from my Facebook groups and Facebook pages where she helps me to answer questions that people have about goats and chickens and stuff. Welcome to the show, Tammy. Thanks, Deborah. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have you talking with me about this because I started using a University of Illinois vet hospital after I had had goats for a couple of years because my local goat vet left. He sold his practice to somebody who only wanted to do small animals. So I no longer had a local vet. And one day I had a baby goat that was dying on me. And my goat mentor who lived in Wisconsin said, you know, can you get him down to the university vet hospital there? And I was so shocked. I was like, I had no idea that was even a possibility. And so that's what I did. And I have been a huge fan ever since. Can you tell people a little bit about how you got started using Texas A&M? Yeah. So we moved closer to Texas A&M, which is nice because I'm about an hour away, which makes it pretty convenient for me. But the way I actually found out about them is I had an emergency situation with my llama. And he was just almost dead. And I knew that I needed the big guns to save his life. And so we loaded him up. I called the large animal hospital at Texas A&M, not having any idea what the feedback was going to be, what the procedure was, any of that stuff, or if I could even just load him up and take him. I, I had no idea. So I called them up. They were so nice on the phone. I gave them the information on what was going on. They did initially try to just help me over the phone by, you know, kind of giving me some feedback on what they thought was going on. And we kind of came to a mutual decision that it was best for him to go there. So we loaded him up and took him. And I found out actually that he was very anemic and I had been out of town for a couple of months. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's probably, you know, full of barber pole worms. This has got to be what's happening. So come to find out, it was not a parasite burden that made him so anemic. He was very zinc deficient. And um, when your zinc levels get super, super low, it impacts the way you process iron. 
And so he had iron deficiency anemia from massive zinc deficiency. So learning all of this, and they saved his life. They gave him a blood transfusion and he's happy, healthy, no more issues in the past few years. But I knew if he was that zinc deficient, most likely my goats were probably having an issue as well. And I mentioned it to the veterinarian as we were getting ready to leave. And she said, you know, we have a field animal services. If you'd like to have one of our veterinarians come out to the farm and just do a herd health evaluation, we can do that. So that's how I found the animal hospital. And that's how I found out that they do more than just emergency services. That's awesome. I know I'm so jealous that you are close enough to AM to have them come out to your farm because I'm two hours away from Illinois and I have to load up my goats and take them in. And it's funny because we had a zinc deficiency problem. And one, it was one morning I walked out there and it looked like somebody had sprayed whipped cream all over the stall and all over my bucks and they wouldn't eat. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with them? They would not, I mean, I put hay in there. They wouldn't even touch it. And I called the university and they're like, well, you could bring in a couple of them for us to evaluate, or you could bring in all of them. And I loaded up all of them. And I think it was like seven at the (laughs) time. And that was back in the days when I still would put them in my minivan. And oh my gosh, that was so stinky to drive two hours each direction with, you know, all those bucks in my minivan, but it was totally worth it. Cause that's how I found out that my bucks had a problem with zinc deficiency. Cause I'd been feeding them alfalfa all winter. Cause I couldn't get any grass hay that year. So I know a lot of people think like that. Oh my gosh. Well, the vet hospital is two hours away from me or three hours away from me. But the first thing I want to mention is that you said how you first called Texas A&M and they gave you some ideas over the phone. That's one of the things that I always tell people too. Like, even if you're three or four hours away from the vet hospital, you can call them and they will talk to you over the phone and try to help you over the phone if they can. And sometimes they can, you know, sometimes they can offer you some information over the phone that's going to be helpful. And then at some point they may say, you know, well, you need to bring them in for an evaluation. But sometimes that phone call has been all I needed. You know, like when I had a goat that had bloat, I gave her some kind of vegetable oil for my kitchen. I don't know, probably olive oil or or something. And after half an hour, she wasn't any better. And I called them and they said, give her another dose, (laughs) like give her another ounce. That was a mini mancha. Um, They said to give her another ounce. And so it was like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Okay. (laughs) So I did. And I wish I had called them uh, when I thought I had a a goat that had hypocalcemia because that was a case where like the goat should have responded within half an hour. And if she didn't, like that was a clear indication that it wasn't hypocalcemia. It was something else. Unfortunately, I did not call them that time. And then the goat died a few hours later. And then I wound up taking her in for a necropsy which is good to learn why your goat died, but it would have definitely been better if I had called them sooner and they had been able to make some suggestions over what it could have been other than hypocalcemia based on what I was seeing. You know, something that I just thought about when you talked about taking the goat in, and I'm not sure if every university has this, but something that's really nice and convenient at Texas A&M 
they actually have like a little tiny room that's unlocked all the time that has these big refrigerators in it. So you can go at your convenience and drop off laboratory samples, or if you have a smaller animal that you need a necropsy on, you just go in and they're kind of like, kind of reminds me of when you go to the post office and you have post office boxes. So they're little doors that you open that have a key in them and you put your samples in there. It's all refrigerated or you put the you know small animal in there that you're wanting a necropsy on and you close it and turn the key so it locks it so that nobody else will have access to it. And it's just really nice and convenient because we draw our own lab work and I don't want to take, you know, two hours to drive there and back during the middle of the day, but we will schedule it to go on Friday. My husband and I will drive over, drop off the samples, go to dinner and then come home. So it's pretty nice and convenient. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah, Illinois doesn't have anything like that, but they do have people available 24-7. And I have dropped off an animal for a necropsy after hours. You know, they just meet you there. One thing I did want to mention, because somebody in Alaska told me that she called their vet school and asked about bringing in goats and they never called her back. And that is because Alaska only has a two-year vet school, so they don't have a veterinary teaching hospital because the veterinary teaching hospital is used by a little bit by the earlier students, but primarily by the more advanced students. You know, like that's where the fourth years do all of their different rotations and stuff. And so if you happen to have a vet school in your area, I don't know which others there are that are only two years Alaska is the is one I do know of. And then after two years, those students transfer to Colorado State. But um, there are 32 vet schools in the United States. So the odds are pretty good that there's one fairly close to you, especially if you're near a large university. One thing a lot of people worry about is that it might be more expensive. And And this can vary tremendously. In Illinois, the large animal clinic is actually much cheaper than using a local vet. Whereas I've heard from people um, like UC Davis and Tufts are two that I know are actually very expensive. I think this may have to do with the patient population. (laughs) And I actually asked someone once, there was a resident at Illinois who had gone to Tufts. And I said, so why is Tufts so expensive? And she said, because they can be. And I think that in Illinois, we have a lot of cheap farmers who, you know, would just try to do it themselves if it was going to cost them a thousand dollars. I mean, a farm is a business. And so if an animal is only worth a couple hundred dollars to you, you're not going to spend a huge amount of money to get that animal treated just to butcher it, you know, six months later or something like that. And so I think one of the reasons for the large animal clinic not being that expensive is simply because they have to keep their prices fairly low to keep people bringing animals in because it is not the case with the small animal clinic. My youngest daughter went to the University of Illinois to get her bachelor's degree and she had a dog and a tortoise and she uh, took both of them there. And the small animal clinic is actually basically the same as what you would pay at a private vet. But she loved taking her tortoise in there because 
they told her so much information. She basically took it in for a well tortoise exam. (laughs) And so she learned like, oh, it's a girl. And she had given it a boy's name. And, and, you know, they told her, oh, she might start laying eggs soon because of how old she was and hibernation and all kinds of really fun stuff that she did not know before that. You know, I had that exact same experience with Texas A&M. I've had to utilize their emergency services for, my dogs, and I've had to use them for my livestock. And there's usually about a whole place marker difference in the bill (laughs) from small animal to large animal. When I took my llama that time and he had to have the blood transfusion, they did a ton of lab work. I was really expecting my bill to be at least a thousand, if not $1,500. And I was absolutely floored that it was only $400. I couldn't believe it. And that included an emergency visit fee, a blood transfusion. The most expensive thing on my bill was the lab work. And the great thing is it's very similar to when you go to an emergency clinic, you know, in your hometown, as far as them telling you, this is what we think is going on. This is the stuff we would like to do. This is how much it's going to cost. These are the things we would really like to do, but it's kind of optional. So you still get all of those options and a little bit of control of how much money you're going to spend. But the most expensive thing on my bill was that lab work. And when I got the breakdown, when I checked out, I was so shocked. So they did go ahead and deworm him. He did have some parasites. It wasn't really a really high load, but because he was so anemic, they went ahead and dewormed him just to kind of cover all the bases, let him start from scratch. And they charged me like 28 cents for the dewormer. And I couldn't believe it when I saw that my jaw just dropped. So there's just wasn't that big, huge, you know, markup. Because when you go to your local veterinarian, their business. They have to feed their family. They have to pay their staff. They have to make their mortgage payment. They are have a margin on all of those products because that's how they make money so that they can stay in business. And I'm sure the universities also are functioning on some sort of, you know, grants and those sorts of things. So they probably have other sources of income coming in, which helps, especially in the large animal hospitals to keep those costs down for us. Yeah, I've had vets tell me that sometimes, you know, like if an animal dies, they'll say, we have a grant right now that would cover the necropsy on this goat if you want us to do that. So that's always been really nice. So yeah, they do have other sources of funding. And a lot of it, I mean, well, everything they do there is educational too. Like, you know, their students are always learning from everything. But I've seen the same thing. Like, I really think that they just charge you exactly what the drugs cost because <laughs> my goats, usually the, the cost of the drugs is like pennies or, or maybe a couple dollars. So I'm like, yeah, that's probably what it would be if you took the price of the whole bottle and divided it up yeah. into like what this dosage was exactly. Mm-hmm. Or for, like you said, some places are going to be more expensive, but I found the large animal at Texas A&M to be very cost efficient. You know, I I had to use them again recently because I had a situation with one of my goats that developed milk stones. And in order to figure out what we were dealing with, we needed to do x-rays. My bill again, you know, I had a surgeon that took care of my goat while she was there and got the stones out. 
my bill again was $401. The biggest fee on that was the x-rays, which were like 250 something dollars because they did three. They did two views to start with. And then after the procedure, they did another view to make sure that they had cleared everything from the teat. So the service itself, and that was an emergency service. I paid an emergency service fee to be seen. You know, it was just, I can't imagine how much that would have cost to go into a local vet and have that done. And also too, it's important for people to know that you can call and just check prices there. I remember that years ago when we had both Nigerians and La Mancha's, I had a La Mancha buck who got in with my Nigerian does and I wound up giving lutealice to every doe that had not been bred. And four or five months later, I had a goat that was getting big, big, big. She was due to kid and she hadn't kidded. And this was a doe I had not given lutealize to because I had bred her. And I started to worry like, oh my gosh, she wasn't actually pregnant when he got in and he got her pregnant. Because the due date that I had on my calendar came and went. And so I was freaking out that she was pregnant with these, this La Mancha Bucks kids because she was already huge. Like she was so big. I was like, oh my gosh, she should have get it on the due date. If she didn't kid, it's because she's carrying La Mancha babies. And so I started calling around and telling, like I called a couple of different vets and I called them to see. And again, like just for price comparison purposes, I want to say this was probably 13 or 14 years ago and basically talked to them like, so what do I do if do I let her start pushing and see what happens, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, they talked to me about that, like, you know, what to do when she goes into labor and everything. And they also gave me price estimates on what a C-section would be. And at the university, it was going to be $200. And at the local vets, it was going to be $800. And so I was like, okay, well, we are driving two hours. <laughs> <laughs> my local vet, I mean, that was going to be an hour away, you know? So it's like, okay, I drive an extra hour and save $600. This is a no brainer. And it turned out that that doe went into labor and gave birth to four normal sized Nigerian dwarf kids. <laughs> so apparently somebody rebred her to a Nigerian buck and didn't tell me for years. I blamed myself for that. And then I was like, hold it. I had two teenage daughters then. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they rebred her and just forgot to tell me. Anyway, this is why I always tell people like, don't ask your vet to induce your goat because they trust the goat to go into labor at the right time more than they trust your record keeping ability. And having lived through a situation like that a few times now, I would say, yes, I trust my goats more too. <laughs> so I would not want to try to put a goat into labor, you know, like three or four weeks before it's actually due. One of the other things I feel really spoiled by the University Vet Hospital is the fact that they have the labs right there. You know, like if you go to your local vet, they're drawing blood and then they're sending them off to a lab somewhere. And so you may not get results for a day or two. And if you have an animal that's really, really sick, they might be dead in a day or two. Whereas at the university, the lab is right there and you get your answers immediately. And that was something that was really, really helpful. We had a C-section last year and like it all went south. <laughs> like For 21 years, I have heard that goats do not do well with being anesthetized. And that goat proved it last year. It took her four hours to wake up from the anesthesia after the C-section. 
And on top of that, all of her vitals went in the wrong direction. And we knew that because like there was a student whose whole job was to sit there monitoring her vitals while, you know, the two vets were doing their thing with the C-section. And then when, you know, the student started to tell us that, you know, all of her vitals were going wonky, they could immediately draw blood and send them to the lab and immediately knew like what was happening and what to do to help her. Like her blood sugar skyrocketed to over 400. So one of the things that they did was they gave her a shot of insulin. So it was just a lot of stuff. And I even remember saying to the vet, like she never would have survived a barn C-section, would she? And the vet agreed, like, yeah, there was way too much that went wrong with her afterwards that like, if you weren't in that setting, we would have never have known what was going wrong and and how to fix it as quickly as it needed to be fixed. You know, the other thing too, um, you mentioned that the lab is there and it's so convenient, but the other thing is they have so many specialists. There's a specialty department for everything. So if, if you go in there thinking you have one problem, and it turns out that you have another problem, they can do a referral and immediately you have somebody coming in to take over the care and, you know, use the specialized skills in taking care of your animal. The other thing with that too, is a lot of times within those specialty departments, there are students doing studies. And if you happen to come in with a problem that they're doing a study on, like you mentioned before, the grants, they may ask you to enroll your goat in that study to be followed. And then a lot of times your lab work, your x-rays, you know, whatever comes with whatever needs to be studied is covered by that grant. So you basically get, you know, free care for that situation. Yeah, that is really cool. And here's another one too that I forgot about, but my daughter, when she moved to Colorado to get her um, PhD, she was at Colorado State, which has a vet school, and she adopted a dog, very bad situation. And it had this horrible, horrible skin condition. And she took it to two different private vets who were recommending all kinds of expensive things that were not working like a kangaroo meat diet and stuff like that. And finally I said to her, well, you know, you're right there at CSU, take him to the vet hospital. And she did. And she saw a dermatologist who took one look at him and said, Oh, this looks like Demodex. And, you know, did the lab work and like, yep, it's Demodex. And she's like, well, why didn't somebody else know that? And he's like, a lot of just general vets, they don't see it enough to be able to recognize it. So, you know, it was awesome that she saw a dermatologist, you know? And so, yeah, I love the fact that you can see specialists. And we had a case at Illinois where they brought in their reproductive specialists because we had this doe that was like a month after kidding, her uterus filled up with fluid for some inexplicable reason. (laughs) So, you know, again, like you said, it's great that they've got all of the specialists there to be able to consult if the frontline people are not entirely sure what's happening. When I had my llama up there, I had just recently started learning a lot about researching and learning a lot about micronutrients. And when the vet called and she said, you know, this is what's going on with him. And she started telling me about zinc deficiency. And she was asking me if she could run a micronutrient panel because she said, 
he is profoundly anemic and he's got a very mild parasite load. And this does not explain why he is this anemic. And when they looked at his blood under the microscope, they could tell the shape of the red blood cells were abnormal to the point that there was something that was causing this iron deficiency anemia. So there was a clue that there was something else going on. So she called and asked if she could run this micronutrient panel. And I literally like almost started clapping and running in place because I was so excited that I was talking to a veterinarian that knew about micronutrients and wanted to investigate it and help me understand what was happening with my animal. Because up until that point, my experience with veterinarians in general, when it comes to mineral supplementation, a lot of them are a little nervous about mineral supplementation. The first time I started learning about copper bolusing and I asked my vet at the time, this was years ago, you know, I've been reading about copper deficiency and I'm wondering if I should copper. Oh, no, 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 no. Do not give any copper. Do not. And it was just an adamant no. So it was really exciting to me to come across someone who was so knowledgeable about the stuff I was trying to learn about so that I can advocate better for my herd. But that's what you get when you're dealing with the university, because these are professors that are teaching students. They are teaching the newest things. They're constantly learning about the newest stuff. So you really do get new research and new information when you go in with a problem. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that happened with that visit, I mentioned that, you know, I had talked to the veterinarian about my concern with my goats. And she told me about what they call it there is the food animal field service team. And if you're close enough to your university hospital, and they have this department, it's really nice. Because if you don't have another veterinarian that is near you, who is very knowledgeable about goats, you can make an appointment for the veterinarian to come out and they usually bring students with them just to do a herd health evaluation. And it's really inexpensive by the time you realize they're seeing your entire herd. You pay for a travel fee and, you know, it's going to depend on how far they're willing to go out. But then once they get out to your farm, they can do an assessment. They do a lot of teaching with you. So they show you what they're looking at in your herd and teaching you things to keep an eye on. And then you have established a patient-client relationship with a veterinarian. And when you have a problem, you have somebody that you can go to if you need you know, advice on deworming, if you need advice on something in particular that's happening in your herd you can contact that veterinarian and say, hey, you know, you were out here on such and such a day and you saw my herd. I'm seeing this today. And then you have that relationship established. So you can get that kind of advice, that personal advice for your day to day things as well. I love that. I'm so jealous that you're close enough to the university that you can have them come out to your farm. It was really great when she came out here because 
you know, I had always sort of had an idea about how to do body condition scoring. And the first time I ever saw somebody do an actual FAMACHA exam, the way it's supposed to be done was with my veterinarian. She came out to the farm and she was teaching her students how to do it. And she was teaching her students how to do body condition scoring and why this goat's a three and this goat's a four. So it was very educational. Yeah, I love that. I always feel like every time I take an animal to the university, I'm not just paying to get that animal treated. It's all, I also feel like it's an educational fee for me because if one of the professors is seeing our animal and there's students there, a lot of times they're quizzing the students on things, you know, like when I took in a buck one time that had an eye injury and oh my gosh, it was so gross. Like the whole eyelid was completely turned inside out. It was the most horrible thing I've ever seen. And he was talking to the students about, you know, like, well, what kind of an antibiotic should we use? You know, and somebody said topical and he's like, why? And it was because a systemic antibiotics probably not going to reach the eye. <laughs> so a topical makes more sense. And just those little nuggets of information that I have picked up through the years from taking animals there have been wonderful. The other thing that I did want to mention is I knew that the university was there, but I always thought it was like a specialty place. Like you had to have a referral to go there or your veterinarian had to call and make an appointment for you. I didn't realize that it's open to the public. So not only are they open 24-7 for emergencies, so if you do have a situation at 2 a.m., get in the car and go. They have a full emergency room there. Call them first. Don't just get in the car and go. Call them and let them know so the team can be ready. But you can also just call and schedule an appointment for something. So if you've got something going on and you want to go up to the university hospital and let them take a look at it, you can just call and make an appointment. It doesn't have to be like a referral through your veterinarian. I know that that's the way they function here. And it's really interesting just to go online, open up their website and see all the services that they have. I didn't realize that they have a virtual vet offering through Texas A&M until I saw it on their website. So they actually have a program where you can, and this is at the small animal you can drop off your animal for an appointment. And if for whatever reason you can't be back in the exam room, they can put you on a video conference so that you can interact with the veterinarians and the students while they're doing the exam on your animal and tell you what's going on. You can see what's happening. And then there's also once you're established with them, you can do kind of like telehealth with your animals as well. Wow, that is cool. I don't know if Illinois has that. I'm going to go to their website and see. I know telehealth has gotten to be really big since COVID. So maybe that's something that they've added. Because the only thing we've had since COVID was that doe that had the C-section last year. But I'm going to go to their website now and see if they're doing that now also. Because that would be really awesome. One of the things also that I noticed, because like we have certainly been there um, a few times through the years at two o'clock in the morning or whatever. And that is that you know, when your animal is there that, you know, they're being watched all the time because like a student gets assigned to them to just pay attention to them and keep checking their vitals and that kind of stuff. Cause that's part of their education. So I know when I have left some animals there that are just really at death's door, like I knew somebody was going to be watching them all the time 
Whereas I don't think there's very many local vets who have people in their office 24 hours a day monitoring animals that are left there. And I know if I have a sick animal on my farm, I'm probably not going to be in the barn with them throughout the night or checking on them that often. Whereas the students, because I hear them talking about like, you know, oh, the calf over there or the horse in that stall and stuff. So I know like they're really watching them 24 hours a day and that they're getting constant monitoring. And they also will help you if you are by yourself and you need to get kind of a bigger goat or a larger animal up there. If you can get them loaded and get there, they will help you get them out of wherever you're at. So they usually have, you know, different kind of contraptions. If you have somebody that's unruly, the last time we were there, I saw somebody with a little bit of an obnoxious cow that was misbehaving a little bit. And we were watching the text come out and rearrange this like Tetris of gates that swung this way and that way and this way. And so they were able to get it. So it was sort of like a loading chute that went right up to the back of a trailer, or they could open it up big so that it was more like a pen. So they have all of those accommodations there because they're set up for it. You know, that's what they do 24 seven. They're set up for pretty much any sort of situation. So if you can get them there from there, they can help you with whatever you need. Yeah, exactly. And even on the other end, like I know when we had a a llama go down from a ninja worm, she of course was in like the farthest pasture from where our truck could get down a hill. And so, you know, I called them and I said, I know I need to bring her in, but I haven't the foggiest idea how to do that. And they told me, they explained to me like how we could make a sling with a blanket and how, you know, we could get her to the trailer uh, so that we could bring her in. And then, like you said, once we were there with her, you know, everybody came out and they were able to get her out of the truck because she was completely paralyzed. So even whatever you think your challenge is in terms of like going there or the cost or whatever, I would just really encourage people to find out what the closest vet school is to you and see what are their fees like and stuff and to learn more about calling them and taking your animals there when you need to. They will, you know, and like you said, you had called and asked about C-sections. Even if you have a problem that you're experiencing and you're trying to decide if it's better or if you can afford to take the animal to the vet clinic, once you explain to them the situation, they can sort of give you a little bit of an estimate on the phone. You know, they can tell you, this is what our emergency fee is. This is what the lab work that that will probably need to run. If we need to do x-rays, this is how much. So you can have a little bit of an idea before you take off and get there to see if it's something that is affordable for you. Yeah, exactly. The vet hospitals also have pharmacies that can mail you medication. If you're seen there and you have an animal that needs a long-term medication, for instance, my animals have to be supplemented with zinc every month. So it's a prescription just like any other vet hospital. And I just call the pharmacy when I need a refill and they send it to me and it's extremely reasonably priced, very reasonably priced. That's really good to know too. 
Well, I hope that everybody now has a better understanding of exactly how the university vet hospitals work, especially if you don't have a vet in your area who does goats, that you will look into taking your animals to the vet hospital next time you need veterinary care. And that's it for today's show. If you haven't already done so, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. To see show notes, you can always visit ForTheLoveOfGoats.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Love Goats Podcast. See you again next time. Bye for now.